I'm Julia Brennan and I'm Creative Arts Advisor for K-6 with the New South Wales Department of Education and welcome back to our podcast series. Remember if you're enjoying these podcasts and you'd like to subscribe go to soundcloud.com forward slash primary curriculum or one word and hit the subscribe button. Today I am with the amazing John Nicholas Saunders from the Sydney Theatre Company. Welcome, John. Thank you. Great to be with you. And we're going to be talking about his experience in the arts, just as we have with other guests in the past. And remember, this series is all about the creative arts in K-6 and some inspiring journeys of people we've met along the way and ways of getting the K-6 creative arts syllabus into your classroom. Now, John is the Director of Education and Community Partnerships with the Sydney Theatre Company, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his journey, but I'd first of all like to just share with the listeners when I, how I first met you, John. And that was at a PL course that you were offering uh, with Peter, mm. so primary English teachers. And it was just amazing looking at the ways in which drama and literacy work together, and I mean... That's a fairly obvious thing, but just the way you unpacked it was absolutely magical. Um, And it really set me off on a path of a much deeper understanding and learning in drama. So I was really inspired after that. Oh, that's lovely. It was a great fun workshop. It was a great fun workshop. For a Saturday morning, an early Saturday morning, (laughs) we had a a lovely time. We certainly (laughs) did. So, John, tell us all about your arts journey and how it started. Well, I... I suppose, I suppose, like many arts teachers, that it started with my own experience at primary school, and I um, found learning pretty difficult in primary school. I found reading and writing really hard. I could write, but no one else could read what I had written. Uh, <laughs> my spelling was atrocious, and um, and my reading really was um, was terrible. I really couldn't read um, throughout primary school, and. Um, you know, when I first started primary school, it was a really fun place where the arts had a really prominent place, I think, in uh, the early years of primary school, mm-hmm. uh, where visual art and music and drama and play and movement and dance were all really sort of intertwined. Now that's an inspiring story. It was lovely. Yes. It was lovely. And then as I, you know, primary school got more serious, um, then, you know, people sort of started to say, well, you um, have, you know, you've got a learning disability or learning difficulty mm-hmm. and um, and I was diagnosed with ADD and told that you know I'd sort of never go to university and uh, probably wouldn't finish high school and maybe a trade would be a good thing you know when I get to high school to um, look at and then then the arts sort of started to become much more important you know all of the kind of naughty kids were sent to after school drama uh (laughs) and uh you know and actually lots of us became teachers out of that group which i think says something to you being a naughty i know i know i'm sure it's shocking (laughs) um and it i i just think the more that i engaged in the arts the more confident i became the more engaged i became and motivated at school and that sort of carried all the way through into secondary school where suddenly I was actually doing really well academically and you, you know through through the arts I got to meet great people and become really good friends mm. with people and so as a whole person I think the arts really transformed me um, but I don't think that's a unique story either no. I think teachers I mean you would have yeah. seen this time and time again in our yeah. classrooms we see it and that's why I think it's we're the so same passionate. as my journey really yeah. as well yeah. yeah I explained that in the first podcast yeah. I used to have this name a fictitious name that I'd tell the students about yeah. where I was called Alice and a teacher came into my classroom one day 
and changed my life because she could play the guitar and yeah. used to let us sing every day. Yeah. It sounds very similar yes, to what you Yes, absolutely. And, um, and I think it's, you know, it, it, it can just be that one thing that you mm. need to, you know, for me, I think it was finding something that I was good at, that my peers who were good at everything else, or it seemed yeah. like they were good at everything else, I could do better. I could be a great drawer or I could, you know, do play the piano well and I could, you know, perform in the little school play really well. Um, and that was actually a commodity um, that I didn't realise, I think, perhaps mm. at the time. Yeah. And you found your people as well. I found my people, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I think that was probably, I mean, pretty pivotal moments, but um, certainly I think that set me on the trajectory to become a, a, a drama teacher. Right. So, well, look, that really leads into the next question, which was, you know, why did the arts mean so much to you and how's it influenced your life? Obviously, mm. we've just heard the personal story. Talk, yeah. talk to us a little bit more about that and the professional side. Well, too. and I think, you know, I mean, I think it, I, I knew it was it true from my own experience as a student, but then becoming a teacher, you also see it and the way that it can transform students' lives and that there's a sense of belonging and, uh, you know, well-being aspects, I think, can increase through the arts. Um, but also I think, you know, the academic um, elements as well that can increase. And, you know, for me, I think that the arts, really, I'm interested in how they can be transformational for students and transferable. Yes. The skills that I think you develop in the arts, even yes. if you're not going to become an actor or a singer or a dancer or a visual artist, the skills that you learn are, I think, the the most important mm -hmm. thing that you can learn um, because they are what we really need in the future more and more. Absolutely. And you know, I've had parents in the past say, oh, look, I'm not going to let that child learn an instrument, for example, because I don't want them to be a musician. Mm. It's not about that, it's is it? It's not about that. No. I mean, some people will, and that's fantastic. And they, um, you know, and there are careers in the arts for artists, but, but also, you know, artists use their skills in a whole range of, of areas as well. Um, but it is, I think, the transferability um, that, is, that is so important um, in the arts, all the way from kindergarten through to year 12. Now, I don't, I don't know if you perhaps looked at these questions before, but you keep leading into <laughs> the where I'm heading. <laughs> no, that's fine. So talk to us about the power of drama for you. I think drama is a really... I mean, look, I love all of the arts, and I think they are all really important, um, like, a, like a family of learning areas. I, I think they are... Um, they each feed each other and, and each, I think, will resonate with different students in different ways. And I think that's really important. Um, I, I, I suppose drama for me, you know, was, was something that really stood out for me. And I think I saw it more as a teacher was the stepping into the shoes of someone else. Mm. And that really led me into working in primary schools where children can still so easily move into that playful world where they do step into the shoes of another character. They pretend to be someone else and think like them and feel like them and act like them. And in doing that, they see the world through that other character's eyes and take on their perspective. And I think that is something that's very unique to drama. I'm not sure there's any other kind of learning area that sort of does that in the way that drama does it. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful. It is, it is. And, and you know, I, I work with mainly um, children in primary school, but also, you know, uh, boys in juvenile justice centres. We work with adults in refugee, migrant and asylum seeker backgrounds. And it's the same for all of them, I think. No matter who you work with, 
there's something about stepping into the shoes of someone else and and imagining life from that perspective. And I think that's the kind of world I want to live in, mm. where we can imagine what it would be like to be that person or have a really different perspective or different opinion. Um, and I think that empathy that, um, you know, is something we desperately need today. Absolutely. Mm. I love that idea of the empathy and perspective, and mm. that's something that we don't talk about enough. And, 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 that, and it's, you know, I think empathy and perspective are great, Empathy and perspective also help us, you know, with our literacy as well. When we're trying to understand characters, that's right. Um, So I think, you know, it's it's about the whole. It's a very holistic, um, or it can be a very holistic way of um, engaging students, I think. Oh, absolutely. So are there any other things that you'd like to add to that sort of discussion about why the arts are important for our students? I think it is also about, you know, I think the current kind of situation in education, the current kind of climate, I think isn't perhaps, I'm talking very broadly, Julia, um, (laughs) very broadly, uh, I think, you know, in in lots of countries um, where we see, you know, a focus on multiple choice testing and high stakes testing. And I think, you know, we're seeing so much pressure on teachers uh, globally um, and, and a focus on quite limited data within schools rather than holistic data. We're seeing, you know, high rates of disengagement, particularly in the middle years of school, that end of primary and the first few years of secondary, I think are a really interesting period that are so often overlooked. Mm. Um, And I was reading a a study the other day about um, really early childhood, kindergarten, year one and two students who um, were, uh, had, had, the, the, the suspension rates had increased quite dramatically um, in one state in Australia. And I thought, gosh, that's, I think that's just really sad and the arts have ways of engaging those students of supporting those students so that so that those things don't happen um that helping them to work through their own personal journeys that's right forum that's really accessible and yes not really necessarily exposing them no and engaging it's engaging and motivating and there's you know a huge amount of research that supports that and um, I'm at the end of my PhD journey, but it is totally fascinating to read the research from around the world about the impact that the arts have in schools and the impact that they have on students and teachers. Well, even just hearing your story, I mm. mean, wow. Yeah. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, and you're not unique. Yeah. Yeah. Look, John, you've talked to us a little bit about the the power of drama and the power of the arts in general for our students, but let's be honest, there's a lot of teachers out there who are scared to teach the arts and particularly drama. Mm. They might think, look, I didn't do that at school or that's not something that I value. How can they go about starting this journey? Let's just say that they've realised through listening to you that Mm. it's something they should go ahead and try. How can they get into it? We've seen in pre-service teacher ed courses that the time for the arts has been cut and cut and cut over the past Mm. 30 years. So I think there are lots of teachers, lots of our colleagues who come into the profession wanting to use the arts but not feeling particularly confident. Or they have, you know, particular connotations about the arts from their own experience. I, I mean, I think there are lots of resources out there. I mean, the... 
uh, Primary English Teachers Association professional learning event that you and I met at mm -hmm. is, you know, a great example that there are lots of professional learning events um, all around that really support teachers to use the arts and particularly drama and, and not just teaching it as an art form, but also using its pedagogy across the curriculum and using the arts to make meaningful connections across the curriculum. Mm. But there are also great resources around, I think, you know, um, there are great books, there is um, great professional learning programs, there are great podcasts like this <laughs> and uh, e-books and iBooks and... Yeah. Um, I think there is a, a lot to support teachers out there um, if they go looking. And, and I think a good place to start is with the professional associations as well mm -hmm. um, that are around that uh, here at It's Drama New South Wales, you know, who offer professional learning yeah. to, to, to all teachers. And of course, you've been supporting us through our journey in creating the Actees series. So yes. that's very exciting. Very exciting. And Absolutely. I'm another so fantastic appreciative of your efforts with Not that. Not at all. <laughs> another fantastic resource to help teachers, um, you know, and... It, and I think once you start, you sort of go, oh, yeah, this isn't scary and I can do it. And yeah. and when you see students working in, in that way, I think it's um, it's motivating to, to keep going. And I think for me, when I first met you and saw you in action, watching what you did with a, a children's uh, yes. picture book was just so inspiring. And we had a principal in a few weeks ago for a podcast, mm. um, Unity Taylor Hill from Anzac Park. And she mentioned, because she'd learnt through Robin Ewing, yes. um, about just the how upsetting it is to see a teacher just read straight through a text mm. and not stop and break it down. And that's something that I've seen you do so yes. well. Do you want to talk us through just yeah. one example of doing that? Yeah. Maybe one thing we could do with a quality with a, picture well, book? We, I call it the episodic pretext yes. model. Um, and in drama, often, you know, you can just read a, a, a text or take an idea and jump into the drama. But... I think you can use drama devices and strategies throughout the book. So you kind of read an episode of the book, a, a page or two, and then dive into the book. So you're not sort of reenacting what you've just read. Mm. You're going really deeply into the story. So something like um, hot seating a particular character at a particular point in time. You might do it as the teacher, um, pretending to be that character and answering questions in role as that character. And then you might read a little bit more of the book and dive in again and the students might be predicting what could happen next at that critical moment. So in groups they might create two or three frozen images and share those with the class. Oh. Um, so, you know, they're, they're really common devices and strategies that are in our syllabus documents or in lots of books and resources, um, but you can sort of place them strategically throughout quality layered children's literature. And I think it just completely changes the experience mm. for them. And well, it, it does, and deepens the learning. And you don't need to be an Academy Award winning actor no. to do any of this. As a teacher you saw, can do it. As you saw in my <laughs> workshop, that you, you do not need, that's right, you will, no nominations for an Oscar uh, were being uh, handed out at that, that workshop. Oh, I think you're <laughs> undervaluing yourself. Thanks, then. Julia. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you do have quite an incredible. Um, position that you work in. Um, can you share some of the incredible stories that you've seen of perhaps primary school teachers or students working in drama? Yeah, look, I, I suppose through the Sydney Theatre Company and my work there um, has been such a privilege to be able to work alongside primary teachers in a co-mentoring relationship yeah. where we share our expertise with each other. I share my expertise in drama and they share their expertise with me as well as expert educators. 
And I think through that, that I mean, personally, what I've seen have, have been teachers who have come out of their own shell, I think, and found a joy in teaching English and literacy in a very different way and perhaps a different way than they've been doing for decades, um, doing teaching really well. But it just can be something completely different without desks where we are um, using all of the emotion and the senses um, and, and, you know, cognitive skills as well all together. And but also with the students, I think, you know, I, I work with students over a term in the school drama program. So you see a shift in during that term, throughout that term, um, you know, particularly, particularly boys, I think, particularly boys who find English and literacy difficult um, or who find school a bit disengaging. Um, I think of the ones who I see the most significant shifts in uh, in their engagement. You were reflecting on your own personal journey. Yeah, too. I think so. Yeah. I think I knew that to be true. Yeah. Um, but I certainly see that. I really pick that up almost in every classroom I go into. Um, and, and, I, and I think it's important to say also that, you know, working in this sort of way isn't the one solution, you know. Uh, the, our research yeah. shows that it'll help lots of kids. It'll help almost everyone in the classroom. But there might be a couple of kids who don't love it, who... Um, you know, it doesn't quite work for them. And and I think that's why that broad repertoire of skills uh, that we bring as teachers is so important. Um, it, you know, there's not a sort of golden bullet that uh, will fix everything. It's about a, a broad repertoire of, of um, teaching skills, I think. And the process of building up those skills is not about having that final product or no. the assembly item or anything no, like that. No, no, that's right. It's that's right. consistent and often the process, the making, mm. um, you know, Vygotsky said it's not important what young children create, but that they do create. And I think yeah, that is, right. you know, it's true for all of us that we learn so much through the the process of making. That's, right. um, that's it. That's mm. it. And we do it without even noticing. You can walk into any primary classroom and see children making art, um, making drama, making visual art, making music. Uh, and and it is that process which That's I right. think is it so rich. It doesn't have to be about that end product. Mm-mm. No. It's great. Look, John, a lot of people are going to be excited to hear your voice because they've you know watched you in action or heard oh. you in action over <laughs> the years. <laughs> so tell them all about what a day, what your average day at Sydney Theatre Company is like. Look, I'm super lucky. I mean, <laughs> I was sure a teacher are. prior to coming to the Sydney Theatre Company, so. Um, the best part, I think, is that I'm still able to work in a classroom one morning a week yeah. on the school drama program, and that, I think, feeds me in a way that nothing else does. Mm. Um, so I find that's wonderful. But a, a day will involve sometimes being in a school and teaching alongside a teacher, and then I'll be back and uh, working with my incredible team in the office, overseeing a whole range of programs. Um, so school drama being the biggest of those programs where we're in almost every state and territory across Australia. So it's coordinating teaching artists who are working in uh, schools all over the place. Um, It'll be, you know, answering questions from a teaching artist and supporting a teaching artist who might be working in juvenile justice centres, um, running through what the the team who are working with adult refugees, migrants and asylum seekers on our Connected program, 
what what they might be doing next. Then it'll be you know a budget meeting or <laughs> looking at uh, the the, ne- the next year's season of plays and and what the connections will be to the curriculum. Um, so it's r- it's really varied. Um, yeah, there's no there's no a bit like teaching. No day is ever the same. Tell us about some of the amazing people you've worked with along the way. <laughs> well, I think, I, I mean, I think that for me, I think that what's what's impacted my journey at the Sydney Theatre Company the most has been um, probably working with our former artistic directors, Kate Blanchett and Andrew Upton, mm-hmm. um, together with Professor Robin Ewing from the University of Sydney. And really th- those three people, I think, and, and my predecessor, Helen Rostovsky, started the school drama program. And I think I think for artistic directors to say, we're going to invest in education, we're going to um, make that a real focus, and we want that to be something that lasts beyond our time as artistic directors, I think that's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and for that program, you know, it's now 10 years old. We've reached over 30,000 teachers and students across Australia and New Zealand. I, I, I think, you know... There, to have that vision 10, 11 years ago um, and to put in place things that would sustain, you know, years after they've gone, I think is, is really, uh, really important, really mm. special. Um, and I, I think I've been so lucky to work with Professor Robin Ewing, um, who, you know, is in her heart, I think, is a, still a kindergarten year one and two teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learnt so much from working with her and working alongside her, um, seeing her work with a group of, you know, five and six-year-olds is completely mesmerising. Um, but she's also a terrific academic and a brilliant scholar and, uh, you know, I think, you know, personally has... has kept pushing me uh, and I've kept learning from her um, over the years. So you know that my short list of children's book authors, if I had to narrow it down, which I get asked all the time, <laughs> I'm, I'm down to kind of a, a Sean Tan, um, Anthony Brown yes. kind of... Two brilliant, two brilliant, two brilliant people. Two absolutely brilliant people. Um, have you got a favourite author? <gasps> oh, uh, look, I know it's a horrible it's, question. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I actually really didn't like Anthony Brown <gasps> no. for years. No, it took me a wow. really long time to get into very Anthony confronting. Brown. Yes, very. Robin Ewing loved Anthony Brown and kept sort of going, "You should really try and engage with this." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't like it." <laughs> but you really have to work slowly with it. I think. Yes. Uh, but so rich and deep. I'm converted Absolutely. now. Oh, phew. yeah, really. Thank goodness. Uh, look, <laughs> I think that's really hard. There are a few. There are a couple that I love. Armin Greta's work I really love. Very dark work. Mm-hmm. Um, the City and the Island that he wrote are two, uh, I think, really fascinating, meaty uh, texts. I, re- I really like his um, his work as, as an author and as an illustrator, I think. Um, Fox by Margaret oh, Wilde and Ron yes. Brooks. I just, you can't go wrong yes. with that. It is so... You know, you can work on it with a group of year threes, you can work on it with a group of 50-year-olds, and it's yes. still so rich and layered. And then my most recent obsession <laughs> is Tricycle, which I think is the one that you yes. did with me, yes. um, by Eli- Eliza Almado and Alfonso Runo, who um, are South Americans. It's out of print. You can buy, like, a second-hand copy, you know, online. Um but I just love that book. That is a gorgeous story. It's fantastic. That is gorgeous. Yeah. And I think it is because those texts are so 
rich and layered, you know, that you can pick them up, you know, at different points in your life and still get a lot of meaning from them. Um, and, and every time I do it with a class and look at that text and explore it, there's something else that comes up which I've never thought of before, which I just think, that, you know, that's, that's amazing, a sign of a good text. How yeah. Is that? yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, John, what pathways do you think are open for our students if they've got an interest or an ability in the arts? I mean, you've shared with us your journey, which is fantastic. What other pathways are there? The transferable skills that everyone has, I think, are really important. Um, But I think there are lots of great programs that lots of arts companies run that support students to engage in the arts. The arts units is, you know, one example of a unit um, connected to the department who run great programs that help students further develop their interest and skills. Uh, At the Sydney Theatre Company, we run um, a Work Experience Week program, which is uh, like an intensive week um, where we bring 25 students from across New South Wales in so that they can really investigate all of the different roles that we offer at the company. So it's not just about performing or directing or writing. It's about learning about our marketing team, about our set and costume Mm -hmm. designers and the set and costume makers and uh, everything in between. So I I think that there are so many jobs out there. There are so many jobs out there. Look, I was only speaking to a colleague the other day who mentioned that her husband designs the sculptures that are in the background in the sets in movies. Yeah. There are just so many jobs so out many there jobs. you don't realise exist. No. It's incredible. I, I, and it's not just about going into the arts, it's about expanding our skills, as we mentioned before. Totally. And, you know, I mean, the research about, like, future employment, yep. I think, is fascinating. Yep. Um, I, I was that just critical and creative thinking that the arts do so well. Totally, totally. And I, I was just looking at... Um, Frey and Osborne, two academics from Oxford University, did a study of US employment. Uh, and they looked at like 702 occupations and how susceptible they were to being replaced by computerization over the next, I think, like 15 or 20 years. And they found like 47% of all US employment was highly susceptible to being replaced by computerization. Wow. But the jobs that were least susceptible were the ones that required creative and social skills. And I was like, well, that is that is so intrinsic, so deeply embedded in drama. Um, you know, I think that's just another reason why <laughs> <laughs> everyone should do I a bit of drama. I think you've convinced us Thank all, John. <laughs> <laughs> Look, John, we've got to wrap up, but just in finishing, are there any other inspiring stories or experiences or just a message you'd like to leave us with today? I think the message I'd like to leave with is that, um, you know, it's it's not scary and it's not hard to teach drama um, and it can just be a little bit and it can be a little bit in an English and literacy classroom and that's a great start. Well, look, thank you, John. It's been such a pleasure having mm, you here today. Every here. time I chat to you, I'm, I always leave inspired and laughing my head off at the same time. <laughs> thank you, Chair. <laughs> <laughs> so big thank you to John Nicholas Saunders from the Sydney Theatre Company who's joined us today. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast, remember you can subscribe by going to soundcloud.com and forward slash primary curriculum or one word. And hitting the subscribe button, my name is Julia Brennan and I look forward to talking to you again soon. See you later.